Welcome back to So Every Soul Sings, Worship for the Real Church. I'm Bethany Pettigo. I'm here with Rod Ellis, and we have a very, very special guest with us today. A friend of ours, his name is Elliot Beckley. He is the technical director at First Baptist Church here in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And you actually do a million other things that have to do with sound and production in live performances and with bands and all kinds of things, but uh, we're going to go with technical director also. (laughs) And one of the reasons I'm excited about Elliot being with us is because he's not just good at the TD stuff. He's also good at the people stuff. Like he's, whenever I see him, uh, even after like I'd only met him once and I would see him at an event and he'd wave at me from across the room. Like that's not normal tech director behavior. Um, they are typically a little bit more like cavemen. They, they hide in the, the cave that they call the tech booth and they don't like to talk to people. They really are more comfortable with gear than they are with humans. Um, and, and I don't mean that to be disparaging. I desperately need those people to be that way because I am not at all that way. Uh, but Elliot just has a, a really great ability to connect with people as well as connect with technology. And so I am, uh, yes. I'm a fan and that's why we wanted to have this conversation with Elliot because we think he will connect with our listeners. It's like your fan club right here. Uh, uh actually president I asked- and vice president. It's not the whole club. Yes. Surely. <laughs> I, I asked Elliot several years ago to come and speak at an event. It was a creative workshop for the Soki worship community here in our region. And I asked him to give the keynote address in the afternoon. And he spoke, uh, gave the most beautiful, well-rounded teaching about uh, what it is to be a technical director. He talked about getting uh, equipment, talked about safety procedures, He talked about working with volunteers, and he talked about mentoring and pastoring people that are on your team that you get to work with. So, Elliot, if you could just take 30 minutes right now and give that talk. Ready, set, go. All right, here we go. Amazing. (laughs) See, he's ready. He's totally ready. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. This is like the best intro that I've ever had. (laughs) Yes. Awesome. You deserve it. So I I interrupted you, Bethany. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. So for all of those reasons, we wanted to have you on today to talk to our tribe because what you do is so connected with worship Mm. ministry and all of its facets, not just the very technical things that you do with sound production and video and lighting and those kinds of things, but all of the rest of it. You're just a very well-rounded guy and we like you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, that's enough you. introduction. Let's ask some questions. I know. Thank you for taking this time to be with us today. So can you give us a little bit of your background and your beginnings and how you got into what you are doing now? Sure. So um, I'm actually from you know, Bowling Green, Kentucky. I grew up in this area. And uh, you know, from a very early age, I, I was super lucky to be surrounded by technology. Both my parents are extraordinarily technology literate. And so... Um, mm-hmm. I started off just kind of a step ahead in that side. My mom did video um, and still does video for a living professionally. And my dad um, worked at Western dealing with all the networking and he loved photography and, and that sort of thing. And so I basically was just literally surrounded with this growing up. Um, 
and sort of as, as, as I grew up, I was, you know, being so accustomed to it, you know, going to church, I wanted to find a way to serve. And, um, so in high school, I kind of helped out doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I ran some lights and, um, I had a good time doing it. Um, but I was so focused on, you know, all the other things in my life that I had going on that it, you know, it never really took a forefront. It wasn't until I was in college and, um, and honestly, I went through, uh, a really, really tough time in my life, and I hadn't been to church in, you know, probably a couple of years at this point in time doing stuff, you know, that I, I shouldn't have been doing, wasn't healthy emotionally, mentally, or for my, uh, my relationship with Christ. Um, but, you know, over this time, I had still continued to develop, you know, skills in kind of the technical world as well as being a musician. And, um, at one of my, what I consider one of my lowest moments, I had um, Richard Suggs, who is the music minister at First Baptist Church, kind of reached out to me and said, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, we miss you. I love you. We have this thing that's going to be started, and um, I could use your help. I know I haven't talked to you in a while, but would you come in and just be a part of what we've got going on? And I, at the time, I was like, yeah, well, what do I have to lose, Right. Uh, and that was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made um, because that was my chance to kind of come back in and basically rededicate my life to Christ and furthering that mission. Um, wow. And it, it, it was really a, a life changing um, experience for me. And I have chills and I love Richard. He and I went to seminary together, um, sat together on the bus on choir tour. I've, I miss him uh, since he left Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. For those of you not local, Western is Western Kentucky University. First Baptist is a, a beautiful edifice downtown, uh, incredible space, giant pipe organ, beautiful lights, great. It's just gorgeous. Um, and Richard was there for quite a while as the worship pastor, minister of music. Um, Elliot, I, I love the fact that the tech ministry was your door back into fellowship, which really was fellowship with Jesus and with his church. Mm-hmm. And it's so important that we remember that there are people outside of our church ministries, or maybe they've just fallen away for a season um, of our ministries, that ministry is the way for them to come back in. And and that's so normal for your generation. I'm an old guy. It wasn't normal when I was your age. But it really is normal these days for people who have, um, whether intentionally or accidentally, just kind of fallen away from fellowship, that they they behave their way back into belonging rather than belong their way into behaving. And, yeah. and your story is just like that. You know, and what what really strikes me is, you know, having someone say, you know, you're still worthy of serving Christ, uh, even though you are broken. Um, You have these talents, you can use them and and just really further the cause of Christ through your talents. And it's okay that you're broken. You can work on that. You can build, you rebuild this relationship. Um, Yeah, you're going to find healing. It's not okay to stay broken, but it's always okay to be broken, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not okay to stay broken. So we want to, we want to put you in a place where you can experience healing. And and sometimes that place is in serving rather than just attending. Right. Right. Um, again, and say, you know, just, just being kind of the idea of being able to reach out to somebody who, um, may not have, you know, 
who may not have a opportunity to come back or may not even be seeking coming back. I mean, and I will, I will say this, that I was probably in that boat where I was probably not seeking coming back to church um, right. at the time, but having yep. somebody who saw something in me to say, no, you're still, it's still okay. Hmm. Um, it was just an avenue for me to come back around. And that's sort of where I view kind of, the technical ministry because it is, it is not just a technical portion of the church. It is a ministry of the church um, and where we can use kind of technical ministry to help involve people who may not come back to church. Otherwise mm-hmm. um, I was talking to somebody the other day. I'm, I'm hoping that perhaps he'll come in and join us at first Baptist church. Um, he was like, you know, we go every now and then someplace, but it's really not a priority in our life. Mm-hmm. Well, if you can offer somebody a chance to um, help serve in ministry, it can become kind of the center point of their life again, um, a place for them to be, to belong and to bring their family and belong. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's beautiful. It, it's, so so, did, it's so powerful. Just one person, one person's action was so powerful in your life. And if that hadn't happened, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. Like, that's amazing to think about. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what did you study? At, you went to Western. So what did you study? Uh, I was actually a music major. I started off as a music ed major and went, oh, I don't think I see myself as a teacher in high school. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. Yeah, I understand that. Uh, <laughs> And so I sort of backed off and just did a normal kind of voucher in the arts music degree. Uh, but while I was there, I got fairly involved doing more theatrical uh, things. And that's kind of where I found my passion at that point. As much as I enjoyed performing, I really enjoyed performing not being on the stage. Mm. That's, I love the way that you said that. And for those, again, for those of you listening out of town, uh, Western Kentucky University has a great music program, also has an incredible music theater program. And so the, the theater, the Van Meter Auditorium there is gorgeous and, and very well equipped to do pretty high level of production. And so you were kind of immersed in all of that as a student and mm-hmm. have stayed connected since then, right? Yep. Uh, currently, I, I still am the um, audio engineer for Van Meter, Van Meter Auditorium up there at Western. Uh, when it eventually reopens after our COVID nineteen crisis, um, whenever that may be, um, but that has become you know very much a home for me as well, uh, which I thoroughly enjoy. Absolutely. I, know, I would never have thought you know while I was in college that I would still call Western um, Kentucky University a part of my home. Right. And we desperately need serious minded Christ followers in the educational system. So I'm so glad that you are there um, representing the things that we represent, faith, hope and love and all that stuff. Um, I, I love that you talked about performing. Uh, you discovered you performing. You, you loved performing offstage um, even more than performing on stage. What is it about being behind the scenes or not being on stage that's been uh, enticing for you or, or what pulled you that direction? Can you articulate that? I can, at least maybe in some small degree, Um, because as a music major, I played bass trombone. And so uh, as part of this giant ensemble, I I played this one little portion and and I loved it. Um, But I found over my course of my time at Western that I got burned out just doing this one little 
portion all the time. Um, and I, you know, I, I did, I went and took conducting as part of being a music major. And while that was cool, I was still up on stage and I was never comfortable in that position. However, uh, when I got the chance to really delve into more and more live audio and got to mix more, um, that's where I was like, well, hang on a second. I get to conduct essentially. Um, Absolutely. And I'm not playing one instrument. I've got everyone, everyone who I'm mixing that I get to be part of this. Um, And that's where I think my music degree sort of has helped me out a little bit. Um, I spent several years, um, uh, basically, we don't have to talk about how many it's okay. (laughs) You know, you, you train your listening to listen for very specific things. You listen for timing, you listen for pitch, you listen for ensemble blend and doing audio. You're really dealing with all of those things all at once. Um, Because let's say you're, even if you're just mixing like a worship band, I mean, at this point in time, you've got what, uh, a drum set with several microphones if you're using a live set, and then you've got a bass, and then probably electric guitar, and then probably maybe even another electric guitar, or an acoustic guitar, and then piano. Um, And then oftentimes you'll have, you know, three, four singers, maybe you've got a choir with it. And so if you stop, you, you step back and look at it, you're like, well, I am... I'm doing basically what kind of the conductor is or in, in part of that is working with whoever's conducting or leading to help, you know, help bring what's in their mind out to everybody who's there. And I'm so glad you went there because my brain was there right before you said it. And obviously your brain was going there too. This has <laughs> been an area in the church I serve now. I don't have any of this trouble. So I am not talking about Woodburn. We have the most amazing tech team. They blow me away every single week. But I have been in churches before where um, it didn't really matter what I was after as the worship pastor. Whoever was running sound was going to make it sound the way they wanted it to sound. And it really wasn't their job to do that. They were a volunteer in all of those contexts. Um, I was the one that had it on my job description. I was the one that, like, the buck stopped with me. If the pastor wasn't happy, he wasn't going to talk to the sound engineer. He was going to talk to me. If the congregation wasn't happy, they were going to talk to me. Talk about how that dynamic between worship pastor or minister of music or whatever, the the guy that's kind of full-time and their job is over the tech ministry as well as the music ministry. Um, How can that be reciprocal? How can that be healthy and and, um, complementary as opposed to territorial? Contentious. Yeah. I mean, these two positions, so your technical director and your ministry of music, minister of music or your worship leader. I mean, those are sort of two positions that really need to be able to kind of work in tandem. Um, And and my thought uh, and sort of my thought process with this is, you know, our, whoever's leading worship has an idea. I mean, odds are good. And I'm assuming this is for you when you're coming up with what you're going to do for a Sunday or a Wednesday, you have, you have a plan in mind, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you, you gather your musicians who you need, you've, you've picked your music and you had everybody rehearse together and at least there on the stage, you've got it you know, everybody doing their part to make your vision happen. Right. Um, and, and that's where sort of your technical director or whoever's 
probably really probably your technical director or whoever's kind of heading of the tech team has to be able to understand the language that you're speaking. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because, right. I mean, I would say that you're primarily, you come from a very musician background, right? Right. Right. So being able to kind of speak musician, whoever's sort of in your tech side really helps. Yeah. Cause when you yeah. talk about something musical happening, it's good to be able to understand what that musical thing is and be able to take a musical idea and turn a musical idea into a technical idea. Does that, so there, yeah. So it's almost like changing languages, right? Which means you have to be a little bilingual or at mm -hmm. least a lot gracious and trying to communicate so that there's shared understanding. Right. And so I guess like first Baptist sort of my job is to go from talking musical turn it into something kind of technical and then interface with kind of my tech team, all my folks who are a little bit introverted and that sort of thing who probably have a wide variety of backgrounds and say, okay, this is kind of the musical terms. This is the idea. And here's kind of a technical aspect of how we want to make this happen, make it look, make it sound. And then on the other end of that, it's when you come back and go and be able to kind of deal with feedback both ways and go, yep, that's what we're thinking. Or, well, that's not quite it. And be able to kind of work back and forth. Um, again, changing those languages back and forth. Yeah. You may say, let's do this. And I could go, yeah, we can do it. Or, well, we can maybe, but... And be able to explain, well, why that might be more difficult or may not work for this particular um, setting. I want to hit the pause button real quick and come right back here. And the pause button is simply to say, if you're in a small church and the whole idea of having a tech director on staff seems out of, like, you just can't even fathom of that, um, that doesn't really change the dynamics. Uh, our church doesn't have a tech director either. We actually have a volunteer who serves in that role. And his primary job is to kind of keep the troops together and morale. And a lot of times because he's not on staff, I step into the, his role and do things that he would do if he were on staff. But tech director just means it's the person who's thinking about all of the technology in the worship gathering and how it's all going to be used. And if all of it is all you get as a sound guy, then he's your tech director. Is that, is that fair? Oh, yeah, I'd say that's spot on. Yeah. So, really who, whoever is just sort of heading your team it can be a volunteer it can be a, a part-time or a full-time person but it's really whoever is probably primarily interfacing with your worship pastor right right so i just didn't want people to kind of shut down because this seemed irrelevant it is, it's i've served in churches that had only 70 people on a sunday morning and this dynamic was just as important in that context as it is where I am now with 700 or where you are in that amazing building downtown. So um, yeah, it's, it's not church size specific. It just really is relational. So communication has to happen both ways. You mentioned um, feedback. We don't mean the squealing kind. We mean the informational <laughs> kind. That was so, a technical term. Yeah. So feedback, both directions, which means the worship pastor can hear the tech guy or the audio guy or whatever say, 
yes, we can do that. But here's my concern, and they're going to listen well. And then the worship pastor, minister music, can say, okay, I hear that concern, but here's my rationale. Is there a better way? And so that give and take and mutual respect seems to me to be a really core value for this relationship. Is, is that sound right from your side of things? I mean, I would say that's almost spot on because um, there does have to be some give and take. Um, and, and I'm going to say that there has to be kind of an understanding and a relationship between, you know, whoever these people are, that there can be some mm-hmm. criticism. And, mm-hmm. and I don't mean criticism in a bad way, but constructive criticism because yeah. criticism mm-hmm. doesn't have to be a bad thing. Um, we can all make things better. Um, but it's all about a lot of times I think how we approached it and it's so difficult to approach criticism um, if there's not a relationship there. Absolutely. That's so Uh, good. And so if you have people who just kind of sort of know each other, hi, we talk a little bit on a Sunday morning. It's really, I find it to be very difficult to have uh, a conversation that involves criticism. Um, if you don't have that relationship already built, because it can so quickly um, in, move into what feels like a, an almost like a personal attack. And, and we want to avoid that. But I think, you know, the, yeah. the best thing we can do sort of as a church, as a church body and dealing with, you know, our kind of two portions of the same ministry is really build the relationship there. So don't mm-hmm. make it personal and don't take it personal. Right. Uh, whichever side of the, I've never thought of it in those terms before. I should write that down. Um, don't make it personal, which means I'm not attacking you. Um, I'm asking about the task and don't take it personal as in you're not attacking me. You're just asking about the product or whatever. And so when we're able to be in a healthy place on either side of that, which does absolutely, I, I agree, require a, a pretty significant level of trust, mm-hmm. which only happens in relationship. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I have often said to, to the people around me on my teams, um, you have to build a relational bridge that's strong enough to carry the weight of the truth you need to speak. Mm-hmm. So if I have enough of a relationship with you that the bridge is rock solid, man, I can tell you anything and mm-hmm. our relationship's going to be fine. But if mm-hmm. what I've got is a footbridge that I'm not sure I want to step on, then I can't tell you much of the truth about anything. And mm-hmm. so you have to really build that, that relational bridge in such a way that the, the, however heavy the truth is you need to deliver, that bridge can, can withstand the weight of that. And, and it, in this kind of relationship, and again, I've had it in really small churches and in bigger churches than where I am now. Um, it's just, you gotta be able to do that. And if you can't, then it's, it's going to be disabling to the ministry and, potentially discrediting to your minute to your ministry individually. And then um, it just destroys the whole point of it. Like it's, it's awful. I was visiting a church in Virginia beach once um, called beach church. I think it was, uh, might've been Myrtle beach. I think it was Be- Myrtle beach. Anyway, um, the worship pastor and the tech director were having conversations during rehearsal. I was just attending a rehearsal with my creative team. And man, they were just yelling at each other. And I don't mean they were yelling like, I hate you. I mean, they were yelling like, I can't hear, you know, but it was so evident that they loved each other so much that they could yell at each other like that. And it was never personal. (laughs) 
they were just trying to get to where they both knew they needed to get to. But the relational bridge between those two guys was as solid as anything I've ever seen in a worship ministry. And I just immediately went, I want that. Like I saw it and I just, I want that. So, yeah. Without that relationship, um, you get what I've seen sort of on the, the secular side of the world doing, um, tech is a lot of times you get to a festival or, you know, large touring shows and that sort of thing. And you have this band come in and they're dealing with a monitor engineer or something and they're having a problem and things aren't getting solved fast enough one way or the other. And a yelling match ensues and nothing is Mm -hmm. getting accomplished. Um, Right. And, you know, what started as a little criticism just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because that relationship and that trust just isn't there. Uh, They haven't, you know, those two groups of people or that, you know, those two people hadn't had a chance to build a relationship. So I really do want to get to the rest of the questions that we talked about ahead of time, but I've (laughs) got to follow this up with knowing knowing tech people the way you do who are sometimes not most gifted at being relational, Mm -hmm. how can those of us on the other side of the dynamic build that relational bridge? Because I think it can be done even with people who are not highly relational people. And by the way, I don't mean that to be insulting in any way. Again, I am so grateful for gearheads. I mean, we need people who are going to spend all their time with manuals and equipment. And they don't really want to be with people like we need those people in the world and we need them in church to do what we are called to do the way that we, with all the power that we can access. I'm a fan. So I I don't mean that in any way to be disparaging, but I still think we got a bunch of worship leaders who get frustrated because they are trying to work with people who are not very good at relating to one another. So what are some ways that we can establish that, build that bridge? So we're, Worship leaders who don't understand technical things, right? Yes. And so they don't understand what's causing the problems either. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe contributing to it and yeah. yeah exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the first sort of step in this um, is really from kind of the worship leader standpoint, you know, taking that initiative to always include your technical staff um, and and whatever's going on Um, from the beginning, right? From the conceptual stage. Um, You know, something as simple as like, okay, well, here's what you you come up with your plan say Rod. And once you hit whatever point in the week it is, I'm sure you send that out to your musicians and you send that plan also to your technical people. That, that first step saying, well, I trust you enough to give you my plan. Okay. And then kind of the, you know, the second little baby step of that is when everybody gathers to begin, um, you know, preparing for worship, when you begin with your prayer or whatever it may be to go ahead and make a point to include your technical staff in that. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it's so easy for whoever's, you know, back at the audio board or running lights or doing projection to be kind of off on their own or, you know, mm-hmm. off with just one other person and feel very disconnected from the rest of the process that is worship. Yes. So let me ask you, before you go on to other ideas, um, this is so helpful, Elliot. Thank you. It um, is so me, helpful. You're amazing. Yeah. So let me ask you this. What about the tech guys and gals who just, like, really don't want to be in the room for prayer? They want to stay in the booth. 
how, how do you deal with that? You know, and it's not necessarily a bad thing for them to stay in the booth, but I, I think taking that time to acknowledge them, just okay. just to acknowledge that they're there, you know, goes a long way. It's it's yeah. amazing what a little bit of acknowledgement can do, um, mm-hmm. particularly with you know all of our great folks who volunteer. Yeah, that little bit of a thank you, that little bit of just the the thought of inclusion. Even if, you know, people are like, eh, I don't really want to come out and be like in a circle tied up with people, just doing something to include them goes such a long way to beginning to build that community, beginning to build those bridges. Because once you get people comfortable with being included, then you can build a more, you know, that more personal bridge. Yeah. So instead of assuming there's a bridge, you really do have to build the bridge a piece at a time. So yes. just take some steps. Just be For, intentional about it. Yeah. One of the things I do that I haven't um, seen or heard about m- many other places, so I, I hope it's I hope it's a good thing. Uh, when we, for example, do our sound check on Sunday morning, our run through, whatever, um, before we leave the stage, I will always ask everybody in the tech ministry, like, do you have everything you need? Is there anything else that we can do? Is there anything we need to do differently? And, and, and those are the three questions that I ask almost every Sunday of every position. Whoever's doing front of house sound, whoever's doing screens, graphics, whoever's doing lighting, if we have a lighting person in place, um, cameras, you know, just like, okay, is there anything before we leave the platform, do you have everything you need from us? Mm-hmm. Because I want to model for the people on the platform that we're there to serve the people in the booth, just like the people in the booth are there to serve the people on the platform. Absolutely. And, I think and that acknowledgement is what you've just described, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, I think, you know, you guys at Woodburn are, are a pretty good model for this. And I can at least say from experience when I was there a month or so ago, yeah, um, kind of just filling in on helping, you know, re- make some recordings happen. Um, right. Before we got going, you, you sort of paused and you took a moment. And made sure it kind of everybody kind of came out from the little nook and cranny for a few, just a few minutes to get together um, to have a time together, you know, time of acknowledgement um, and a, t- a, little, a short little time of worship together, a prayer together. Again, just building those bridges. And I, you know, for me as someone who's not at you know Woodburn very often, um, right. I found that to be extraordinarily inclusive. Um, Good. And when, when you say short, you really mean short. I mean, not, we're not talking about a 20 minute devotional. There's no sermon there. It's no, it's short. <laughs> I, I think we probably took what? Four minutes. Probably so. Yeah. Something like that. Maybe five minutes. Um, we had just a, a prayer. And I think we even may have taken a minute too longer than that. Just to kind of sing something together. And that's, yeah, for me, that's an, as the spirit leads thing. We don't do that yeah. all the time, but yeah, but it's, and it is very intentional to, uh, for me to include the tech crew when we do that, this, the devil disrupts through technology in our day more than any source of disruption that I, that I see at least where I have led for the last 20 years. And I don't mean that, that like the tech people are failing. I mean like the devil is pulling cables apart while we're not looking. And, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm kidding, but only a little bit. Like it is so, <laughs> only a, a little bit. Yeah. Only Spiritual warfare happens in technology so much. And, and again, I don't want to over spiritualize it, but my goodness, 
why would we not take advantage of the full power of what God calls us to do by praying for things to work technologically? It's so important to what we do. And right now we're in the middle of the coronavirus. The yeah. only way we worship is if technology works, if technology fails, we actually can't meet together as a church. The church has never been in that position in all of its history. Mm-mm. So it, we just need to be devotional in the way that we think about tech ministry, it seems to me. I'm going to sort of butt in here for just a Come second. On. Um, and along those lines, you're sort of talking about, um, you know, technology, you know, sort of the devil and sort of technology. And I, I think you sort of hit on something there and sort of kind of kept on going. <laughs> Was that technology and it's great and our use of technology to help and further worship is it's awesome it's great um but at the same time technology can also be a distraction um it can it can easily sort of become all consuming um before we really realize it Uh, and it can be dividing as well um you know for instance you know we get going and on the tech side of things you start going and you get your head down in the console or your head in the lighting or really focusing on making sure lyrics happen when they're supposed to happen. And you get so focused kind of this tunnel vision that perhaps you start to lose focus um, to the worship, you know, that's should be going on that you should still be a part of Uh, and having that moment to sort of back out of it and go, hold on, this is, this is why we're here, and we're all in this together is really important. And uh, sort of from the musician side or any of the folks that are on stage, the technology can be you know, a real problem and a distraction too because let's say you're, you're on stage and all of a sudden, I'm sorry, my cat has found a box if you hear something. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> in the background here. It's awesome. Uh, um. But, you know, if if things start to not go well, technically, you know, feedback begins to happen. Um, you know, people can't hear or something starts happening with a guitar or you, you name it, how quickly that our technology can really become a distraction from worship as well. And so st- sort of staying centered and focused going, you know what, we're all in this together. Stuff happens, but we do need to remember that we are here to make worship to help and to help people worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't ever want people to say, Oh, look at the lights. I want people to say, wow, the lights help me look at Jesus or wow. Listen to that sound. No, the sound helps me listen for Jesus or, you know, I mean, it's just, we, we never want to get distracted by the technology. We want the tr- technology to direct us to the, the gospel. And it's, we have the best news in the world. We want to make it as powerful as it is. And um, production, I think, helps us get there. Elliot, you've been incredibly generous with your time. It's like already been, I think, over 30 minutes, maybe over 40 minutes, which just goes to how much there is to say on this subject. Um, And and we would like to have you back sometime. Right now, in the season we're in right now, I just want to ask you one more question before we let you go. Um, again, we are in the middle of the pandemic. The coronavirus has made it so that we are only worshiping uh, virtually or online. Mm-hmm. In the state of Kentucky right now, churches are opening back up. You can go with social distancing in place. There are some churches that are meeting. There are some churches that are not meeting. My question for you is, what are you noticing 
or what are you appreciating about tech ministry? Again, audio, video, lighting. What is it that is kind of just raised its head in a way that you went, I didn't really, I didn't notice that before, or I didn't appreciate that before. Um, this might end up being a little bit of a long-winded response. It's okay. So, Come on. Right. You know, right off the bat, you know, when, when everything happened and we began shutting everything down, um, we went to online and broadcast services only. So we had an empty sanctuary. Right. But, you know, the first couple of weeks, we still had, you know, just a real handful, kind of a skeleton crew of musicians um, come in and help us lead worship. Um, and for me, that was one of those times where the first week I was like, man, this is weird and <laughs> unsettling. And yeah. the second week, it sort of dawned on me. I I personally kind of enjoyed having an empty space a little bit. I was like, we're not here in the building, but as a church, we're still together. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm doing behind the audio console is really helping people come together and worship in a completely and totally unique way that um, we've never experienced before as Christians, or at least not in my lifetime where Mm -hmm. we can't physically go to the building and worship as a church body. But with this empty building and our handful of people up here on the stage, we're still able to worship together as the church body. And it was a wonderful and exhilarating realization kind of when I had that. Um, I said, and and this has been, you know, a chance for us to try some new things that we probably wouldn't have, you know, tried, you know, otherwise we've um, made little, some little changes. We've made some bigger changes. Um, and it's really made us be more intentional with what we are doing for worship. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing when we have to step back and be like, well, what we're doing, we need to be intentional about it. We have to think about what we're doing rather than it being, well, we're having worship. We need I mean, really, really be intentional about worship. Can you think of an example, not like three or four, but just one thing that you feel like has become much more intentional in this season? I'm putting you on the spot. I apologize. So one thing that we've you know, been far more intentional about is when we put people up on stage to help us lead worship, just where they're located. Okay. It sounds like a, a little thing, but you know, we have to think about how far are they apart? Um, if they're singing, what direction are they singing? How is this going to look with them positioned on the stage? Now, where do we need to have things like a a drum set sitting so it's not distracting? Really just being intentional with where things are set. Because um, when we get going, we don't want to distract people. So being intentional with where we put things, where we put people, and still making everything work together as a whole. Absolutely. We are still uh, week to week kind of walking through the same dynamic and trying to just think. And and even last week I sent a message that can we get something to make the stage prettier? Like we don't really have anything 
on our platform except for what's required. And we have white walls that have color wash on part of them. Typically we have windows, but because we're recording, the windows are covered with shades and it just doesn't look as beautiful as what we're accustomed to. And so just always thinking about, yeah, what are we doing on purpose um, to do that? I want to offer one more thought and and just thank you for your time. Um, and, and this is based on what you just said about the way that you lit up and, and it was fun to see your face light up. Uh, we're recording this listeners on zoom so I can see them, uh, Bethany and <laughs> Elliot, both um, the way your face lit up when you talked about the fact that what you're doing at the front of house console is making it possible for the church to gather in a way that they never could have or would have before. And, and it just struck me that you were made aware of what I would call a high and holy calling. And what makes a what makes a calling high and holy is not what the calling is, but the one who does the calling. And so if you have a high and holy calling to hold babies in the nursery, it is just as high and holy a calling as to preach mm-hmm. the gospel. Because the one who calls you is the one who makes it high and holy. And if you have been called to run sound or lights or screens, graphics or cameras or rock babies in the nursery or lead a small group, it just doesn't matter what the calling is. It matters the one who has called you and what awakens in us when we discover that, oh, this is a calling. Like I'm not just serving because somebody asked me to run sound Sunday. God called me to do this. It changes the way that we approach every part of that. And I love that about you and your ministry and the way that you are developing the people that you are leading. Um, that's one of the questions we're not going to get to today, but we will next time. Um, I love that about your buddy, Alex, who is a part of our church. I, I love that about my volunteers. They don't do it because somebody needs something done. They do it because they know that the one who called them has called them. And it's, it's more than just, I'm going to, I'm going to go down to church and build some acoustic treatment boxes. No, God called me to something that is just way bigger than I am. And it's, and it's just a high and holy calling. And I, I, I want us to make sure that we recognize that every calling from God is equally high and holy because it is the God who called us that makes it that way. By the way, if you want some biblical basis for that, go to the gospel of John and talk about, or or think about what Jesus said. John was the, the greatest man who ever lived. John wasn't better than his brother or his cousin or his mom or his dad. It was the calling of God that Jesus was referring to. What made John, John was the calling of God on John's life. The same thing would be true for Paul on the Damascus road. The same thing would be true for Moses at the burning bush. The same thing is true for you listener and what God has called you to do. It is God who has called you. And therefore it is a high and holy calling to serve the way that you serve. And if you're in tech ministry, I just want to say thank you. We have wait. Thank you. Our church communities have been awakened to your value in this season. One of my favorite things on Facebook comments on Woodburn's Sunday services is to see the number of people from multiple generations who say, thank you, tech team, for making this possible. I love that. And I'm so grateful that you guys are getting acknowledged and appreciated in a way that you have not historically been. So thank you, Elliot, for your time. Any closing words before we wrap it up? I just want to say... Oh. No, no, Bethany, go ahead. Got, I was I was we, we've been Bethany, you got the Bible on your side. You better go. Yeah, First Corinthians 12. <laughs> <laughs> we are one body, but many parts. Yeah. And we cannot say to another part, we don't need you. The eye cannot say to the ear, we don't need you. 
And we desperately need one another. And we, we need you tech people very, very much. Absolutely. Okay, Elliot, what's I was your last that, word? That basically summed up what I was going to say. I was just saying, you know, in all of this, we are just all pieces of the same mission. Um, and the mission isn't the same without everybody fulfilling, you know, their role, the thing that they are gifted with. Um, and everybody's gifts are a little different and that's, that's the way it should be because we're not going to function if everybody could do the same thing. Yep. Thank you so So much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for the way you serve the kingdom, not just at first Baptist, but all around this region and, and beyond. Um, listeners, thank you for taking time today to, to learn a little bit more or to be reminded of some things that you just need to be reminded of. I, I hope that you're encouraged. I hope you feel strengthened. I hope that you're ready to tackle whatever God puts in front of you next. He's been working all along to get you ready for that. Um, so thank you. Remember, share, like, comment on social media. If there's somebody who's a tech director or a tech servant in your world, share this with them and then have a conversation. Yeah. Use it as a way to build a bridge. And let's see what God does with this conversation from today, because we really want to build a tribe of people that will help it all across our land. So every soul sings.